Here now is Matt Austin and Ginger Gadston with Florida's Fourth Estate. Hello and welcome to Florida's Fourth Estate. We have another fantastic show for you and you're going to enjoy it because it's something that was brought to Florida and it never should have been here in the Florida first man. place. We're talking about tourists. <laughs> no. No, we're talking about the five worst invasive species that have just come in and jacked oh. up our state. Man, there's so many of them. We actually had a hard time coming to just five. Glad you're with us. I'm Matt Austin. Yeah, and I'm Ginger Gats, and there are dozens of these things. And it's some of them I was surprised that they do not belong here, but then the other ones are on the news all the time, and they just tear up things, and just it, they're just nasty. They're nasty. They nasty, Ginger. <laughs> So on that note, let's start talking about these nasty creatures. This first one might be the nastiest. It's nasty because it's slimy. Yeah. It Nobody is. likes anything slimy, right? Mm -mm. Ew. It's just okay. We're talking about the invasive giant African land snail. Have you seen these things? Oh, man. They are humongous. And oh, for the third time in Florida state history, have they been a problem? It was June of this year where they found nearly 1,500 in Pasco County. And they are, okay, so they can get to be eight inches long. Eight inches, a snail. Think about We're that. Talking about a snail. A snail. Think about eight inches long and about four inches wide opening your door you have a nice little garden <laughs> <See this? laughs> this thing is just chewing up all the size your of our microphone out there playing with your dog <laughs> no don't let your dog play with one of these things no they even have dogs that can sniff these things out they're fine for the dogs just don't let them get too close to them these dogs are trained but that's how invasive they are and how dangerous they are and how bad they are for our environment that they have dogs who can actually sniff these things out unreal and just gross yeah these things are totally gross the good news on this one is the this one's the most under control of any of the creatures that we have on our list today because they kind of pop up they they popped up and then they were eradicated in the 90s and then they've come back up again like who's bringing these disgusting I don't things know. they're illegal to have they are illegal and they are kind of nasty and can make people sick on top of just looking just altogether gross you can't even eat them no, you shouldn't put butter and garlic on that one. No, that is not the kind of snails the French people. Yes, gotta go. Mm -mm. Okay, if you thought the snails were gross, baby, do I have something for you here. Mm -hmm. This one can be up to nine pounds, 18 inches long. And it's a furry, scurrying little rat. Let oh, me tell you about the Gambian pouch rat. Okay, you haven't probably seen one because they're located in one particular place in Florida and they never should have been there. People actually used to own these things as pets back in the day what? until they were banned in 2003. I mean, this is like a half rat, half dog. They're so big. They're some of the size of dogs. Some of the biggest rats. I mean, we used yeah. to people holding them up. It's insane how big they get. They were banned in 2003. And apparently eight of them escaped in Grassy Key, kind of near Marathon. And scientists have been worried ever since that this these creatures are going to maybe somehow scurry over the highway onto the mainland, maybe get into Miami. And when they start breeding, you know, they're just like other rats. Yeah, problem. 
They are big, they are non-native, and yes, they're quite ugly. I'm talking about Muscovy ducks. They reproduce like mad. And look, I know this is a bit controversial. Okay, we had a story in Central Florida dealing with these Muscovy duck populations. They basically come in and they're territorial. So they're not supposed to be here. They start bossing around the birds that are supposed to be here. They can carry diseases. Uh, and give those to the native birds and and then they just really cause problems because they're pe- pretty aggressive but people love feeding these ducks i thought these ducks were native florida ducks but ginger they See, most certainly are not they fooled you and that's their plan is working matt you they fit right in they thought they belonged but then the people in this in winter park said you guys are ugly you got to go i and that's the big complaint people are saying they're not cute if they were like the pretty mallard ducks or whatever then you could stay and we could take pictures of you but nobody's taking pictures of these things they're just they are kind of really hideous People cuss when they see these things, that is for sure. We're talking about the wild boar population here in Florida. Have you seen what these things can do to a pristine lawn? Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. They will root into and tear it up. And that is the biggest problem people are having. And they're also dangerous. They just, they're not afraid of people. They come into neighborhoods, they tear up the lawn, and they get closer and closer to the homes. And people are afraid. They go outside, and these things will stare them down. It's like, are you in my yard? It's like, no, you're in my yard. And there's a standoff. I think the agriculture department said they caused like $1.5 billion worth of damage nationwide. But most of that damage happened in Florida. It is no surprise that these things don't belong here. And nobody wants them. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, they, they shouldn't be here. Yeah. They were brought here because uh, when people started settling uh, in America, they wanted to bring something that could like reproduce quickly. They could oh, hunt it. They nailed and it. They could have a lot of meat when they killed the thing. And, hey, yeah. you got yourself a big fat wild boar there. Well, they're thinking they may have been here as early as 1539 and brought by Hernando de Soto. And so they've been here for a long time. They're probably going to be here for an even longer time because you don't want to mess with that thing. I would say is the most concerning on this entire list because this one is putting our ecological system in danger. Talking about Burmese pythons, I mean, this is number one by a mile on this list for things that are really causing issues in our state. It really started to get big in the 90s. There were people's pets. Supposedly they escaped, particularly down in the Everglades. These things can lay hundreds of eggs at a time. And then those little eggs can grow up to be big mamas Mm. who then can be 20 feet long and hundreds of pounds. Florida is trying so hard just to take extreme measures to get rid of these things. They have hunts. They give out cast prizes. Yeah. But let me tell you about the real issue here, Gigi. Okay, I've got some numbers from FWC, and uh, it talks about the real damage being done by these pythons since they have started to grow. Okay. Raccoon population in Everglades National Park has dropped 99.3%. Possums down 98.9%. Bobcats down 87%. That's since 1997. That's the drop. Marsh rabbits, cottontail rabbits, and foxes gone. 
they, they, they've disappeared. And it's so, it's just, you know, we even had a story not long ago where they cut one open and they didn't have to cut it open to figure out that it had swallowed a whole alligator. Yeah. When you have something that really has no natural, it is an apex predator. There's nothing that can really hunt it. It's, what do you do about that? Yeah, and I, I remember when they caught one, one of those mama pythons, yeah. and they sliced it open and oh, they yeah. found all the eggs. They yeah. keep so many eggs that it is wild. But it's interesting. They, they've been doing a little more research to try to figure out how to find them. Mm -hmm. They've been attaching trackers to the males, yeah. and the little males have a very slick way <laughs> of finding those lady friends. You think? And so they track where all the males are going, and then they find a big female. Lead them right to the trap. Yeah, exactly. And that really it helps because chances are that female has some eggs that want to hatch and you know add to the population. Hey, by the way, there were some that are really good on this list. Iguanas. I mean, how do we leave so iguanas many. off? Yeah, there's so many. I, I I know people will probably write to us. I hope they do and just yeah. tell us what probably is more invasive than any of the five that we had on this list. But those are the ones that, you know, we've talked about a lot recently, especially the Muscovy ducks really surprised me. But tons of invasive things here in the state of Florida. We just... Come on, guys. Don't don't bring them here. Don't bring them. Don't put them in your suitcases. Well, bring them here if they're cute, but the ugly ones. <laughs> Keep your Muscovy ducks to yourself. Yeah. Take them to another <laughs> state that might want them. Stay with us as we talk about an important insect now in trouble after two hurricanes blew through Florida. Hello and welcome back to Florida's Fourth Estate. So glad you're with us. We have a very special interview for you today as we're focusing on something you probably don't think about in your day-to-day -day life, but something that affects you every single day in the food you eat. We are talking about bees and the bee population in Florida is in a bit of trouble. I'm Matt Austin. Glad you're with us today. And I'm Ginger Gadsden. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. You know, to be or not to be, it really is not a question anymore. We cannot live without bees. That is a fact. I think it was, uh, I read something where Einstein said, if bees went away, humans would only have four years left to live on the planet because then we would die as well. So the bottom line is we need bees. They sustain us. They help us uh, grow our food and everything else. You just don't think about them because you really don't see them. But a person who thinks about them all the time and sees them all the time is Oxamania. He is a beekeeper. His company is Ox Beekeeping. We are so glad to have you with us because we've had some bad weather lately, a couple of hurricanes, and that's really damaged the bee population. And you're seeing that firsthand. Yes, definitely. Thanks, Ginger and Matt, for having me. Uh, yeah, that is a very important uh, part of our ecosystem is the honeybees and their pollination efforts. And uh, from the quote you said from Einstein, that's actually on my website. And the theory is that uh, we can only save seeds for so long. And um, Wow, that's stunning when you think about that. Okay, so first, let me just back up a little bit. Why is it or how did you become interested in bees because it's almost like you know you're like the firefighter of beekeepers because firefighters run toward the the danger most people run uh, away from bees you run toward them what was it that got you so interested in bees and how did you know they were so important so it's funny that you say uh run towards bees um, <laughs> experience with honeybees was after hurricane hugo in uh st croix I was raised in the Virgin Islands, St. Croix, 
And after the hurricane, a large tree fell and it had a beehive in it. And I could remember running towards those crazy bees, grabbing handfuls of honey and tasting that taste of honey. And I pretty much been chasing that taste ever since I was a kid. Yeah, it's so good for you. And as we're looking here, these are the boxes that uh, Ox has. As there's, you'll you'll notice something interesting about this. The box we're zoomed in on right now, fairly active. You'll see some bees floating mm -hmm. around, but some of the other boxes, unfortunately, are dead hives. So, Ox, can you explain to us what you have seen from your own personal bee population here since the hurricanes rolled through? So this yard I had here had about between 20 to 25 um, hives on it. Uh, I keep a few different yards based on the, the uh, knowledge that I gained when I first started beekeeping that if you keep all your bees in one location, if something happened, you lose all your hives. This yard unfortunately flooded about three feet of water rose. Some of the hives floated about 100 yards to the other side of the yard. A bunch of them flipped over, and I pretty much lost all of the hives except this one that you guys see here. That one kind of made it, and I'm just trying to baby her to make sure that she make it through the winter. But the other issue that we are dealing with is the loss of a lot of trees, so the bees aren't getting as much food as they would get during this time of year. And the bees that do have food are being robbed by the bees that don't have food. Oh, my. I, I wouldn't even think that, but they do need that. The sweet nectar is what they're trying to get. And are you guys supplementing that in any way? What are you giving them? Yeah, so this is actually the first year. I've been keeping bees for nine years, and this is the first year that I'm considering feeding my bees throughout the whole winter. Like uh, we do a sugar water mix. So you do about half sugar, half water. You shake it up, and then you uh, feed it to the bees. And hopefully that sustained them. I just don't like it because it's unnatural. Sure. Now, when you say that you lost a lot of hives, they didn't happen overnight. How long will it take you to build back that that hive population? Oh, that's going to take uh, years to get back to where I was. It's going to take years. Or if I get a nice fat check, I just go buy all the bees back. But yeah. So can you kind of take us through one of these boxes? Can you show us? If this is a rather healthy colony, will there be some honey in there? How does it work? So we could go over here. I'm gonna pop the top. Hopefully, you know we don't get they don't get too aggressive. Oh boy. But, um, <laughs> we'll we'll stay here at a safe distance. Yeah, we'll let you do the heavy lifting here. <laughs> so I'm gonna pop this open. How I usually do it, I take my time and I move slow. If you guys see me drop the lid and put my suit on, that means they're getting a little aggressive. Okay. Move as slow as possible. So you smoke them out a little bit as you're opening it up. And that's another thing that we're dealing with as beekeepers. There's these high beetles and different mites. Like you see this little black thing crawling. Where is he? They're, they're, they're ganging up on him in here. But there's these high beetles that attack the beehives too. So that's just a, a lot of different things we have to deal with as beekeepers. Yeah. They're ganging up on him because he's, he doesn't belong there? Yeah, the, the hive beetles, they are in every hive. You just want to keep the population down. Gotcha. How many bees are you uh, looking at in this particular box right here, Ox? Uh, I would say about maybe 60,000, 70,000 bees. So this is a frame right here, what you would call a Ooh. bee frame. Oh my and God. You can see and usually this will have honey all over it. And you yeah. can see, like, they're, they're, they're crawling all over it right now. They're actually mm -hmm. eating up whatever was right here. So this hive definitely needs to be fed.
Oh, so that's kind of scary, right? Like if they were healthy, there'd be honey all through all of those frames, but but they're kind of eating almost the last of it, huh? Right now, nothing's really um, blooming, so they should have at least three to four frames full of honey to get ready for this winter. So where is... Where is the queen in this right now? Did uh, you know? C- how can you identify her when you're going through that? Do you see her immediately, or do you know where she is just based on how many other bees are surrounding her? She looked different, so I would see her and I would know that's her. But a lot of the time, just so I don't disturb them too much, all I do is I look for day-old eggs because she lay eggs every day. So if I see a day-old egg, I know she's in there. So I just put it back and I um, leave them alone, not to bother them too much. So I've heard that you only really have ever seen, like just a normal person like Ginger and me, we have only seen male, or we've only seen females. Like the males are not out doing any work. Like uh, many ladies will will tell you like, this is just like regular humans. Like the ladies do all the work (laughs) and the guys are just there for breeding purposes. Yeah, during the winter time, they're kicked out. And I'm sure right after Hurricane Ian, they all got kicked out because um, they're only used during breeding purposes. They, they usually stay like towards the beginning of the fall because they usually have one more swarm cycle. That's when they swarm and they, they try to recreate their last set of hives and then they try to hibernate for the winter. So after that last set of swarming, all the drones are being kicked out. I've literally seen them being drug out of the hive. Wow. Whoa, like the ladies will be like grabbing the dude by the scruff of his neck and booting him out of the hive? Get. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, so uh, the question I want to ask you, Oscar, a couple of questions. One, how many times have you actually been stung? I think I lost count after a million. So (laughs) (laughs) times where I went to um, bee removals, and I think the bees were Africanized, and man, they just was tagging me. They got in the crease of my pants. They got everywhere. Oh. In my socks. Just, I just left them alone. I tell the guys, unfortunately, you're going to have to keep your bees or call somebody else. I feel like we need more people to do what you're doing. But after hearing those stories, how do you convince people that it is really good work and necessary work? How can people get started if they're interested? Well, as I um, just heard, the most times I did get stung was when I was doing bee removals. You're actually taking the bees from their home and trying to put them in one of these boxes. Also, uh, think about if you're living in a condo and somebody say, hey, I'm going to put you in this little bungalow down the street. You're not going to be mm-hmm. too happy. So if you have your own hives and you're managing them, a lot of times they're not as aggressive. If you can get genetics that are really docile, there's uh, about five different genetics. The two main ones that we talk about is Africanized bees, which are really aggressive. And then there's the Italian bees, which are really docile. So how can people follow you online, Ox? You can follow me at Ox Beekeeping, O-X-X Beekeeping. Um, You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, all the social media. All right, you keep doing what you do, my friend. We appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Ox. Bye. And thank you for watching Florida's Fourth Estate. You can download it from wherever you listen to podcasts or watch anytime on News 6 Plus.